0: Hey guys, welcome back to The Black Space. My name is Lexi and today I'm going to be talking about depression in the black community as well as treatment barriers that prevent us from seeking traditional therapy. Now before I get into um, depression, what it is, how it looks in the black community, I'm going to talk about um, just really quickly some statistics that are relevant to mental health in the black community. Now, according to the United States Health and Human Services Office of Minority Health, um, the African-American population is 20% more likely than the general population to experience mental health problems. Um, Despite this risk, only one in four um, African-Americans seek mental health treatment. And that's according to the National Institute of Mental Health. Um, And I just want to say that the effects of untreated mental illness are so detrimental to not only yourself, but the community. Um, socioeconomic status can be affected. Um, educational attainment, so how far you can go um, in your educational journey. Relationships, you know, family dynamic, um, romantic relationship, friendships can all be affected by um, the effects of untreated mental illness. Now, when it comes to depression, um, the traditional symptoms of depression are like sadness that is um, longer than two weeks or more, um, increased weight, loss of weight. You can oversleep, you can undersleep. There's just so many Um, different symptoms and there's so many different forms of depression now i'm not saying this for you to you know self-diagnose again at the end of the day if you believe that you do have a mental illness it's always better to actually go to a professional and figure out what you have because Um, You may not have nothing, you may just be going through a case of the blues, or you may have, you know, a completely different mental illness. So you might think, like, you have depression, but it might be bipolar. Or you might think you might be bipolar, but you can have, like, borderline personality disorder. There's just, some of the symptoms just overlap so much that it's always better. Not always better. You have to get diagnosed by a professional. I do not recommend self-diagnosis because it can just run you crazy. But, um, going back to depression in the black community, again, I've said this in, um, past podcasts, but depression manifests itself differently in black people, specifically black youth. Um, it was a study done in Rutgers University, I believe, um, that found that black adolescents, Expressed depression differently from the general population. It was expressed through um, complaints about conflict with others and also physical pain. Um, again, living in a disadvantaged community, you're more susceptible to elevated levels of um, substance abuse, violence, poverty, and those also play a factor um, in increasing depression. And a lot of these studies, I feel, neglect that, especially you know. The communities that majority of us live in. When you think of the black community, you think of black neighborhoods. You know, there's a lot of violence. There's um, substance abuse. There's they're generally not well funded by the city. Um, there's just so many issues when it comes to um, traditionally urban areas where majority of us are located. Now the suicide rate in the black community is significantly higher than other races, especially for black male adolescents. Um, June is actually men's mental, um, health month. So I guess this podcast, this podcast will be geared more towards, um, depression in the male community. But, um, yeah, I'm just going to give like my take on depression and, you know, um, Talk about some studies I've heard, but also this correlation, I believe, that exists. Not that I believe. I'm pretty sure there's a study out there, so I have to find it. But, you know, the effects of colonialism and, you know, white supremacy in the black community, you know, the systems and institutions that exist, that govern us, that um, are around us every day, really, really contribute to our demise and um, our depression. Also, the correlation between music and depression is so, so important. You know, right now, they say that we're in, like, this, um, depression era with all the, um, popular music that's going around. It's very popular to be sad right now, especially if you are a male rapper, a young male rapper. Everyone that's being signed, everyone, um, that's being played, you know, promotes this, um, mentality of, just sadness, depression, even sound waves. Certain sound waves can set you off too. When it comes to being depressed, um, but just keeping yourself in that mindset constantly. Because it is good to listen to music when you're sad. You know, if you really want to cry, you can put on music that allows you to express your emotions. You can find lyrics that really speak to you and talk about how you're feeling, and you feel better because you're not alone in how you feel. But if you keep playing that same sad music over and over and over again, you're going to be stuck in this constant cycle of sadness. And you're not going to be able to escape because all that's around you is sadness. You know, social media too. Social media, what's on your timeline, the people you follow, the posts you like um, really, really can hurt you. If you're a sad person, and you're seeing all these sad things, again, you're just continuing the cycle. Or if you're seeing, you know, all these people happy and you yourself aren't happy, that's also going to trigger you too. So changing your cycle. Um, you can mute people if you don't want to unfollow them. I always recommend um, a social media purge. to so like, unfollowing people that you don't necessarily talk to, like, um, their posts make you sad Because it's not about that relationship, it's about you. You can't have relationships with others if you yourself are not happy, if you yourself don't love yourself. I always, always, always say this to friends, to family, to everyone. If you do not love yourself at the end of the day, if you are not happy with yourself, you can't sustain these relationships no matter how bad you want them because there's always going to be issues that come up, whether it be something the other person does or just something that you yourself are unable to do. Now, going back um, to depression and colonialism in the institutions that govern us, especially right now in the workforce, you know I see a lot of my friends um, being burnt out because they are trying so hard, you know to be noticed, and to gain the respect of their white peers in the jobs that they're at. And as good and great as that sounds, you know, show your best. Show, like, that black excellence. But don't let that resiliency stereotype hold you down. Don't take on more than you can chew, and then you end up burned out, depressed. You're going to decline in work performance eventually, It's always good to find that balance because, again, the black community is resilient. We've been through a lot, a lot of shit. But at the end of the day, again, if you feel burnt out and you keep doing the same stuff that you're doing while being burnt out, you are going to just completely just crash. And that can also lead to depression. You know, activist burnout is real. Taking on too much. You know, I'm not saying you can't do it, but I'm saying be realistic at the end of the day. Um, and microaggressions. A lot of people, especially me right now. You know, going again, coming out of college, going into the workforce, um, interacting with different races, depending on what you know, what um, career path you're in, but. Uh, microaggression over time can lead to microtrauma, and that can lead to, again, depression, and um, also cardiovascular disease, weight gain. Microaggressions are um, usually unintentional, but there I feel like there's some, you know, purpose behind saying that, but they're usually unintentional, unconscious comments that have to do with the person's race, so Comments like, oh, you're pretty for a black girl. Or, wow, you speak so eloquent for um, for who you are. You know, um, that stereotype, again, of, like, you know, black people speaking in, like, ebonics or improper English, you know? That, that comment is to not say that you yourself are an eloquent person, but to, like, put down your race. So that person that's saying these racist comments to you might think that they're complimenting you and at the end of the day they're really just putting you down. And I experience this too, not wanting to put off that angry black girl stereotype, you kind of just brush them off. I mean, I spent my senior year of high school being called affirmative action because I got into um, so many colleges that rather than congratulate me, you know, my quote unquote peers around me. told me, like, oh, like, congratulations, like, you're filling a quota, or you got in because, like, you know, affirmative action exists or stuff like that, and I didn't want to, you know, pop off and, like, live out that stereotype that people were expecting of me. I just kind of sat in silence, but those comments hurt me, and, you know, it made me feel some kind of way, but over time, I, like, I found my own ways to deal with micro-racism, so, you know, I'll, I'll correct the person. If they're coming at me incorrect or if you really, you know, if you're in a workplace and um, someone says that to you, you know, HR exists, you can be that person that recommends, you know, the cultural competency uh, meeting or, you know, um, just file an HR report and that can get nipped in the butt real quick. But um, yeah, just the institutions, you know, Eurocentric values, all these things lead to our demise. Now, I'm not saying that um, we have to live by these white standards to be happy, because I don't think that's the case at all. I don't think it's an us issue. I think it's more of a them issue. But um, again, we can't change them, only they can change themselves, which is why, you know, I'm trying to create, you know, cul- cultural competency um workshop that is geared towards them in order to help us there's all these things that need to be done in order to you know bridge that communication gap but depression just manifests itself in so many ways in the black community and no one's really studying us i believe the study i said earlier was like one of the first studies conducted on only um a black subject pool because again medicine psychology we all go by the white standard and that is hurting us. So again, I advocate for our own people setting our own people for the benefit of our own people. Um, But going now to treatment barriers, socioeconomic status is a very big factor that interferes with um, seeking mental health treatment. About 40% of the homeless population in the United States is African American. Um, 39% of African-American children and adolescents live in poverty, and African-American unemployment rates are double that of um, white Americans. And 72% of male employees work full-time early on in their lifetime. So that's 72% of black males. Um, I believe the average cost of therapy from what I've experienced is about, I want to say 100, 125 is probably like the cheaper end. And the more expensive, I want to say is like 225, maybe 300 at the most I've seen. Um That can be up to about, you know, between 15 to 20% of your weekly earnings. And that's not including um patient parking. That's, not including, you know, if you're a single parent or if you're a working parent and you don't have someone to babysit. You know, that's not including babysitting money or daycare money or even nightcare money to go see your therapist. But about 15 to 20 percent of your weekly income would be geared towards therapy if you were only to see a therapist, you know, one hour each week. And a lot of people can't sacrifice to make that cause. But... Um, Mental health is just so important to all aspects of your body because you yourself can be, you know, physically healthy. You can eat right. You can exercise. But if your thoughts, if your your thoughts are negative, if you yourself just have, like, emotional issues, it's going to affect your actual physical health. Um, Again, depression, there's a correlation between depression and... Cardiovascular disease, depression and weight gain, depression and being underweight, um, blood pressure, you know, depression and anger. There's just so many things linked together that can really hold you back. Um, insurance. Insurance and seeking treatment is something that is so problematic because one, I believe you're um your rates go up if you have a mental health illness or, uh, I mean, a mental illness, or if you um, want to trade, not trade, if you want to change um, insurances as well, having a pre-existing condition, whether that be depression, can um, really increase your rates. And then also going into certain workforces. So I believe if you are yourself are sued for malpractice, but you saw, um, or you have... um, mental illness on your record that can be used against you in court it could be subpoenaed all your therapy sessions can be subpoenaed too and a lot of people are afraid of that so it's almost like you're being punished for trying to better yourself Um, also who is covered by your insurance really affects who you're able to see Um, I talked about in a black session I had a friend that was only able to see um, a spiritual therapist because it was covered on her insurance. I have um, another friend that needed to be in the psych ward. And because they're on, I believe, Medicaid, um, they can only be there for so long. So they had to check out and they have to check back in. And that um, really affects the treatment process. So there's just so many um, issues within the insurance system itself that needs to be corrected in order to advocate for people actually, you know, using the resources or, having access to mental health care um religion is also a large role in why a lot of us don't seek treatment so majority of the black community i believe identifies as christian specifically evangelical christian and um a lot of people feel that their beliefs don't align with um therapy or seeking um treatment and a lot of studies have shown that Black people rely on faith, family, and social support um, rather than healthcare professionals for emotional support. And that also has to do with mental health discrimination. So going back, you know, to the cultural competency aspect of treatment, um, not being able to, like, relate to your therapist or even being misdiagnosed is a very big issue um, and just in the Black community in general. Um, I always advocate... For you know, people becoming therapists, especially Black people, come becoming therapists going back in their commu- into their community because they only understand what, um, or they can really understand what the people that they're treating are going through. So it's a lot easier to relate, and that can um, cause for like, you know, clear communication. You know, really, really help that person. Um, but going back to the spiritual base thing psychology always likes to talk about how they um, have cultural relevancy in their practices but to this day they have not kept up with the needs of the black community so having that spiritual based thing you know when a black um patient comes to see someone that's um or comes to see a therapist and they start talking about how they believe they might have like you know the spirit of jazz bell within them or something psychology is not keeping up with the needs of the black community and that's why so many people are dropping out i believe the retention rate of therapy for black people is like 25 percent, but that might be geared towards just ptsd but that's still so bad that is so low and there's so many changes that need to be done to increase it um now talking about the stigmas this is the main reason why i started the black space mental health stigma is about expressing mental health concerns or seeking treatment um, really, really hurt us. A lot of people just see therapy as something that's designed for, um, white people and they have this, um, stereotypical view of a psychologist that's going to be like an older white man that's like insensitive to the, um, harsh realities that we go through and they can't relate to us, but that's not the case. There are therapists out there that look like you, that come from your community, um, that could really help you, but we don't have, um, a strong enough database for you to have access to that. I believe psychology today has um, a therapist database, but if you type an African-American psychologist, you know, white people show up. Um, people that are of different races show up, and you don't really get... Um, a clear understanding of who they are as a person. I don't even think it says where they come from. I just think it says like their educational levels, their specialties, the insurances they take, and like what um, licenses they have. Um, a lot of us, going back to the resilience thing, see depression as a sign of weakness, and they don't want to get help. They just you know keep pushing, keep pushing through, keep pushing through until eventually they break. And you know it's really common for us to keep our emotions inside and um stay close off to others but that harms you. And um I believe a study conducted who was it by I think it was Kaiser. I'll I'll if I remember it I'll maybe post it underneath on the um web on my website. But um found that like one third of African Americans who were involved in mental health treatment felt That um, mild depression or anxiety would be considered crazy in social circles. And they didn't feel comfortable about it talking, um, or didn't feel comfortable talking about it with a family member. Um, I've seen this, I've experienced this. A lot of the times when you come to your family and tell them, like, you know, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, I'm depressed one they brush it off they ask you you have they they either ask you why you're depressed or they tell you you have nothing to be depressed about um a lot of the time we're passed off to the bible they'll tell us to you know go pray on it go read the bible and yes you can pray on it. you can read the bible but i know from my own experiences and even the experiences of my friends if you um you know you want help so bad and you just read the bible you keep praying you go to church you do all these things but if these feelings don't go away at the end of the day you feel like a failure and my own my own personal experience that put you know a strain on my own relationship with my faith and how I was feeling um but there needs to be a reform or um not a reform but there just needs to be more open communication about like how to address someone when they come to you for um help you know not brushing them off not telling them to go take a bath or um to pray it off or stuff like that you need to sit there and just listen to them I cannot advocate this enough just being an open ear literally no judgment at all just allowing your child or even your partner to just sit there and just say how they're feeling and not try to Fix them or um, diagnose them or tell them why you think they feel this way. Just allow them to tell you how they're feeling and just sit there, have open, honest conversation with them is so beneficial. And that will also, you know, lead them in the right direction when it comes to help, Um, getting help in therapy. You know, they're not going to have you or your words in the back of their head saying like, oh, well, I shouldn't be in therapy. I should be going to church, stuff like that. Um, Now, lastly, some possible solutions I have, you know, public education, maybe having um, community centers allow psychologists or therapists come in and talk about the issues that are prevalent within the community like I'm doing today, having, um, you know, having the facts about different mental illnesses that affect them and making it relevant to them. Because, again, you know, this whole stereotype of, you know, psychology therapy as a white thing. Is really, really preventing us from actually getting beneficial help. Um, Cultural competency, again, no one knows what that looks like. There are some places that talk about it. Um, I believe the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration um, talks about cultural competency as the ability to interact effectively with people of different cultures. Um helps to ensure the needs of the community and members are addressed. But they just say it refers to characteristics such as, like, age, gender, race, location, profession. Um, it relates to institutional and systematic biases, but it doesn't necessarily give, like, you know, a template or exactly, like, what words to say. Studies shown that if you, like, bring implicit bias, or if you bring awareness to the implicit bias that people... Um, Exhibit they will stop, but that's not always the case Um, again, this Bridge also needs to be created between religion and psychology psychology needs to step up, but also religious leaders um, Need to understand that some of the people within their congregation need therapy Um, You can look to your pastors for advice. Some pastors are actually educated in psychology and kudos to them because that's even going the extra step but I've seen pastors tell people to go off their meds and they'll get on this like religious high and they'll be okay for a while but then they go back to how they were before and just these these patterns need to stop there needs to be um, communication between you know local church leaders and mental health professionals um, from the area but another issue with that is a lot of People that are, you know, going out here getting these therapy degrees are not coming back to their communities. They're going to, you know, um, different places where they're, they can have probably like a bigger clientele. They can probably charge more, but you're not benefiting others. You're just benefiting yourself. Um, but yeah, just depression in general just impacts the black community so much, um, From, you know, the racism that we experience to the trauma that we grow up with, um, especially in these urban areas, you know, like substance abuse, violence, all these things just increase um, the risk of depression. But again, no one's talking about it. No one's really studying it. So no one knows about it. They just, you know, have these unexplained feelings or just pent up anger. And it's just leading to our demise. So, I believe that um, the field of psychology needs to step up. Now, at the end of the day, you know, I can only advocate so much. So, once I get my license, you know, once I'm um, fully educated, fully licensed, all that, you know, I'm going to be making these steps. But I myself can only do so much with the BA right now. So, you know psychologist therapist because i know some of you do follow me on the black space and do listen to my podcast um if you have that research grant you know you're looking for a study depression specifically in the black community um would be a great thing to study now a lot of the times you know these organizations that are primarily ran by white people you know like to call us all african-americans but there is a different um there's a difference between you know being black and being african-american and that's a whole different other discussion but um yeah, even even within certain African American populations, like people that come from, or people that are from like Nigeria or um, just different places from Africa that are like first generation or second generation here, they also experience like health and completely different thing. And to group us all together is not fair. But um, again, thank you so much for listening. Um, sorry for ranting a little, but. Depression in the black community is just something that, you know, needs to be addressed. I have a whole paper on it on the black space, but I know a lot of you um, rather watch a video or um, hear a podcast about it. So I decided to make one today. Um, Sorry if today was a little awkward. I've never done a podcast by myself and I don't like talking by myself. So that was new for me. Um, But thank you again so much for listening. Um, Merch actually got a text today that it will be ready on Monday. So if you did order stuff already, um, I'll probably ship it out Wednesday, if not Thursday. And you will be the first person to have it before I even release um, the little like campaign that I'm doing. Um, But yeah, this will be like the first drop of merch. I'm going to probably do some new stuff for um you know the colder months but that's like a while from now right now it's like the summer drop so you got your like your short sleeve your long sleeve that's like not too hot you can still wear it um the hoodie that's literally the softest thing i've ever touched in my entire life very proud of those um but yeah merch is here um official drop will be july 1st so in two weeks i believe yeah in like two weeks But um, thank you so much for listening and remember to stay liberated. Thank you.